Welcome in to the first ever edition of the Read Option. I'm your host, Jeff Gimple. Alongside me today will be the crew, Brian Sanvito, Scotty Miller. Uh, this is a brand new podcast that we're very excited to launch. Uh, three of us have done a bunch of work together in the past. So for any of you out there who've listened before, welcome to our new page. And for anyone out there who's new, get excited because we have a lot of awesome content coming here that uh, we think you're really, really going to enjoy. And we're going to cover everything here from the ending of the NFL season to the crazy NBA world and what it's like in COVID and everything else. And it's going to be a lot of fun to do and a lot of fun to make. So uh, stay tuned. we got plenty of more exciting content coming out. But first, the first ever edition of the Read Option starts right now. All right, everybody, getting ready here. Bring it in. We are getting pumped for conference championship weekend. We got three more NFL games left. Uh, we just had four pretty good games this past weekend. Uh, everyone was locked in. It was a wonderful weekend. I'm joined, as always, Brian Sanvito, Scotty Miller. Boys, how are we? Inauguration day. Uh, and we're launching the new pod, so it's it's, uh, it's a great day. Yeah, it is. A uh, great weekend, man. Um, a lot of great moments, even if there weren't as many spectacular games as the week before, um, you know, I got to say right off the bat highlight Taron Johnson's pick six for the bills. I mean, that's just right. Uh, looking back at some of those moments we had this weekend, it's, it's going to be fun to get into. How was your weekend, Scott? It was good. Loaded with football, uh, cold as usual in the, uh, in the East coast out here, uh, fun day today. And, uh, I think the highlight of the weekend for me, was probably uh, Tom Brady throwing a touchdown pass to Drew Brees' son. That video was remarkable. It was honestly one of my, uh, like, it was, and also it was a dime, which was just absolutely incredible. Like, of yeah. course, if Tom Brady's, and he had it, the height adjusted for the young kid, I mean, of course he throws it perfectly. He's Tom Brady. That's what he does. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. For me, the, the my favorite thing that I had written down was um, the hook and ladder on the two-point conversion that the Rams ran. And that's such a small thing, and the Rams didn't even end up winning the game. But I love any time a team runs a hook, hook and ladder to success. And there's plenty of more things uh, that I'm eager about to, to dive into this game. Um, we are excited. Thank you all, if you're listening out there, for joining us here on this on this new podcast. We are, we're going to go through uh, all the games from this past weekend, quick hitters, our thoughts from that. And then we're going to dive headfirst into this weekend's conference championship games. Uh, four really, really good teams and I don't know. I'm really excited. So I think we're just going to run through this chronologically. And we're going to start off here with the Green Bay Packers uh, taking down the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, guys, I'll, right off the bat, the thing that I noticed here in this game, uh, and, and there were a bunch of tweets kind of floating around about it, but it's, it's Aaron Rodgers is in this like football zen right now. And he, he sees the field so it's like he's playing another game like he understands so much ahead of it it's like the dad playing all-time qb with a bunch of kids and and he just he has the smile on his face you know there was a report that uh former guys you know he'd come out and and talk pac-12 football with other pac-12 guys on the defense in the middle of games you know he would just do shit like this that that really you know makes you love him more and more and and i understand why if you're a, a fan of the nfc north you're not a maybe a big aaron Rodgers fan of all that but at the same time man like he is remarkable and, and the job he did in total command they got out to an early lead and and that rams offense just had nothing to come back with i thought to uh, i have one point 
that's related to that. But first, I wanted to touch on the fact that this was the first NFL playoff game with two quarterbacks on opposing teams who went to UC Berkeley. Shout out to the Bears. Go Bears in Berkeley. Um, You're right. But I didn't even think about that. My, my one note from that this entire game, really, was Aaron Rodgers has that look. And it just... You're, you nailed it, Jeff. Jeff Gibble, our host, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if he introduced himself at the top. Jeff Gibble, our host. Um, yeah, dude, he looks he looks so calm. He looks like that R-E-L-A-X uh, Aaron Rodgers. And it, he's doing what he did all season and making it look easy, man. And, and when Aaron Rodgers gets in that mode, and I think you nailed it, Jeff, in about week uh, 11, 12, 13, um, where – uh, Rogers was in this mode where he was like, "Oh, I'm not going to win MVP. Our team's not good enough to win the Super Bowl. Fuck you. Watch me. I'm going to go do it." And uh, and man, sorry, I dropped an F bomb. <laughs> Take that out. It's all right. Um, no, we're labeled as explicit. Don't worry. I, I took precautions okay. here on the new feed to make Love sure it. that uh, our listeners would know that there, <laughs> there might be some profanity. Maybe don't play with the kids in the car all the time. But yeah, yeah but there. So- I mean, it, it. He he has that look. Vito, go on. Yeah, yeah. So. It's not just him, though. I think this team, what impressed me the most about that win, um, the rushing numbers. Aaron Jones had 14 carries for 99 yards. Jamal Williams had 12 carries for 65. Those averages are 7.1 and 5.4, respectively. Doing that against the Rams, I mean, I've been hyping up the Rams defense. Everyone has the, you know, the best defense points per game in the NFL Um, to be kind of picked apart, you know, almost 300 in the air. close to 200 on the ground, just the balance attack, you know, Rogers didn't throw for 50 times this game. It was a, mm-hmm. a, just a full effort on the offensive side that was overbearing to a Rams defense that I think we all thought was the best in the NFL. Um, obviously, you know, we, we didn't see as many snaps from Donald as we would have liked, I think uh, just mm-hmm. as fans, but at the end of the game, I don't know, you know, um, even if he was in those plays, it didn't, he wasn't performing at the same level. So I don't think that was the issue. I think it was the actual injury, but overall hats off Maybe. to the Packers. They really took it to him to score 32 like this in a playoff game and, you know, win by double digits. And you credit the, the green Bay offensive line. And I was saying this to a couple of my buddies that I was texting is that that offensive line did a job on the best pass rush in the NFL. Yeah. It, Aaron Donald hurt or not Aaron Donald at, 50% is better than 99% of the defensive linemen in the NFL. And that pass rush was getting nothing home against uh, that offensive line and, and getting to Rodgers. No, they, they've done a fantastic job. And they did that without one of the best left tackles in football and David Bakhtiari. So you consider, and, and look, I put this together, you know, I, I've been high on Green Bay for a while and, they can beat you in so many different ways as you were talking about their veto, right? They can run the ball. They have three guys who you trust to run the football well in between AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. But look, let me run through the reasons why green Bay should win the Super Bowl. I put this together when I was watching on Sunday, you have Aaron Rodgers on a scorched earth tour right now. He is burning this mother effort to the ground. And I, lo- I love this, this attitude about him where he is at this perfect culmination of I can still do so many things physically. Like he made so many like what the hell type plays like that run and going into the end zone, the pump fake. And he gets Leonard Floyd, you know, 10, he's fully extended up in the air 
and Aaron Rodgers just walks in for a touchdown. And you're talking about a 37 year old quarterback who strikes fear in defenses to the point that even if he's a yard away from the end zone, you still think the throw is coming because that's what he does. And next thing you know, boom, pulls the pump fake little sidestep and he's into the end zone. So that's the number one reason why you have to love Green Bay moving forward. But their receiving core is not just Devontae uh, Adams. Devontae Adams is incredible. And I actually give, you know, he had the one touchdown, but I give the Rams a lot of credit because they schemed really hard. And it's an old, yeah. it's an old trick that teams use where you put uh, Jalen Ramsey on the number two wide receivers. You put him on uh, Equineus St. Brown or Alan uh, Lazard or uh, MVS, Scantling, you know, Valdez Scantling. And then you double team and always have safety help on the side of the Devontae Adams zone. Now, it was a brilliant play design to get him open on the goal line on that first touchdown. But after that, we didn't really hear much from him. So it was going to come down to Alan Lazard, who had a really good day, had obviously dropped the one potential touchdown pass, caught the second one on the deep threat. So they're solid at the wide receiver position, about four deep. You add Robert Tanyan, who's established himself as probably a top five tight end this year and moving forward, you know, whenever Aaron Rodgers has a tight end that he can trust, it adds an element to their offense that is truly elite. And then they have an offensive line. They have uh, one of the, an elite running back in Aaron Jones. Uh, they have an elite offensive line when Bakhtiari is healthy. They have a solid pass rush, a decent secondary. They have a good linebacking core. They're just a well-balanced football team that is gelling and has been gelling for a long time. And I, I think they're the no, in my mind, there are questions to be asked for every team remaining. And there is not a single defense remaining that can stop this Green Bay offense. So it's just going to be a matter of can you outscore them? And I don't know if anyone can. I mean, Chiefs with Mahomes, maybe. Josh Allen, they haven't played their best game in the playoffs. So we'll see. I, I think there's one other thing, too, is the coaching aspect. I mean, <clears throat> I, I love that play that you were talking about to get – Devonte Smith open on the, on the goal or Devonte Adams open on Adam. the goal line. Well, look at what they did the night before or last week with Devonte Smith. It was the pre motion, right? You run him across. Mm -hmm. He's smaller. Me, Devonte Adams is a lot bigger, but um, they run him across the line, motion him. You know, kind of what you see in beginning of plays to see if it's man or zone, and then they run him back out quick the other way. The corner loses him for a split second, and then he gets open the end zone. And and yeah. I think those having that incorporated and having Aaron Rodgers' timing and him directing an offense that has those kind of options is limitless when it comes to scoring. It's such a great point, Vito, the, the, the impact that coaching has and that play call in particular, because when you're in the, when you're in the red zone, uh, more or less on the two yard line, the defense has to condense because you only have the, the end zone in order to stay. And that seems kind of obvious, right? But when that happens and now you're playing, you know that on the goal line, they're putting Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams. So then how do you counteract that? Well, you have to get Jalen Ramsey out of position. So running him entirely across the field, forcing him to go around the entire defense and then quickly cut back, it gave him about three steps. And you saw Jalen Ramsey get really mad after the play because I think in that situation, what the Rams were supposed to do is he was that Jalen Ramsey coming back, knowing he would be late, would take the slot spot. And whoever was the corner on the other side uh, was supposed to kick out and then have that outside part of the end zone. Um, Give him started on Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, but outside of that, they did a really good job on Devontae Adams, who has burned everybody this year. And this game still wasn't really close. Now, I do believe a healthy Jared Goff, and this game goes into a completely different direction. Um, in all honesty, I, I think Jared Goff is one of those guys who either could can win you the game on some days, but the majority of the time he's going to just be a manager um, 
and he, who knows, maybe him being fully healthy would have been more, he would have been more aggressive and turned the ball over. I mean, we do know Jared Goff likes to do that uh, or yeah, does, does tend to do that. Um, but a broken thumb, he still has screws in his hand, you know, and he's playing in 20 degree weather in, uh, in Lambeau field. It's, you know, so I, I, I just don't think when you got behind, once they got behind by 10 points, there was no way that the Rams could come back. I actually think a healthy Cooper cup would have made the difference. That also, um, yes. Because a lot of, a lot of what, especially Jared Goff being injured, a lot of what he leaned on was those quick out passes in the flat to Robert Woods, um, which we saw a lot of all year, um, except for the, the, the big burner plays that that Woods would have, or the, uh, the occasional uh, uh, tradition, like any other, the uh, first quarter jet sweep touchdown, but from Robert Woods. But I think Cooper cup presented a threat that would have taken some of the safety help um, over the middle uh, that would have left at least Woods open for some bigger plays downfield that weren't just flat plays. Um, whether or not Jared Goff's uh, thumb, you know, played a, a bigger role in that, in the especially in the cold weather, uh, can't be discounted. Um, but still, I think even just Cooper Cup's presence, whether or not he would have caught a touchdown uh, or two uh, as an elite deep throw, I, th- I still think Cooper Cup's an elite receiver. I really do. Yeah. Um, and, and not having him out there in, in, in a game like that, uh, I think w- was a little bit detrimental to that the way the Rams wanted to run their offense. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, you're, you're taking out a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver, you know. Anytime you're, you're, you're pulling out a guy who has the talent that Cooper Cup has, uh, the offense is going to change, and the defense is therefore going to be able to adjust differently. I was really impressed by what I saw from Green Bay's defense in that game, um, especially just getting pressure um, from the outside linebacker position in particular. They're not very strong on the interior defensive line. Uh, but they are able to get pressure uh, and they're not afraid to blitz. You know, they sent a couple of blitzes uh, early on with defensive backs and, and, and finding ways to get, um, you know, Jared Goff uncomfortable because ultimately that's what they needed to do. And they did a really good job stopping the run. Um, and that can make secondary, stud, that secondary continues to amaze me in green Bay. It really does. I mean, I've, I've always known because I, I got to watch him in college Adrian Amos is at a safety. who's a, a freaking run stuffer. I mean, he just stops runs left and right, but he's done so much. Uh, as, I think this year was a, a big year of growth for him in the, uh, in the passing coverage. Um, he, he really stood out to me. And of course you got guys like Jair Alexander who were, who were excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but that secondary is really impressive. And I, you'd be hard pressed to find a secondary, who can cover now? I mean, we'll see next week because there are a plethora, of, and we'll get to it, but a plethora of wide receivers that they're going to have to worry about. But, yeah. Um, but that secondary all year long has impressed me. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, the one non-football thing I noticed from this game uh, was early on. Uh, I, I actually wrote it down. I was like, Pam, Pam Oliver sounds a little off on that sideline report. Uh, and I, I went on to Twitter cold, man. And, and everyone was like, is Pam Oliver drunk? Like she was trending on Twitter. And I was, and I was like, I, I don't think so. But it was also, it was only like 35 degrees that like it, it wasn't super cold. So, I mean, oh, you got to get a beer blanket, Pam. That a bit. There you go. Yeah. She, she broke into speaking a little, of beer, the brown speaking of beer blankets. I got some stories about Adrian Amos. I can tell you from college too, by the way. Oh, 
Yeah, I don't think Adrian would appreciate us, uh, appreciate no, us putting him on blast like that. So uh, <laughs> he won't. Uh, but that was the the first game. Uh, and, and I love one of the best things about divisional round is that they adjust the times. So, you know, you're able to stay up a little bit later on Saturday night than you are on Sunday. Meanwhile, on Sunday, it's like watching football on the West Coast for us all, all the way out here on the East Coast. It's you a beautiful know, thing. Having a 6 p.m. Start, uh, you know, start time on Sunday was beautiful. Absolutely love that. But uh, on Saturday night, we had a matchup that it lived up to the hype, uh, but probably not in the way that people were hoping for. And then ultimately ended with disappointment with Lamar Jackson uh, getting hurt. And that was, you know, Buffalo going on advancing to the AFC championship game, which I think all of us have been fans of Buffalo this year. It's, it's hard not to uh, between you know seeing some of these franchises that haven't won in so long. We had three in the divisional round. Uh, between Tampa Bay, Cleveland, and uh, Buffalo. So now the Buffalo Bills on their way behind their their potential future MVP, uh, Josh Allen. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, it's a weird game to, to break down because it was a defensive battle, and both defenses were really impressive. Like, Buffalo's defense really came out to play. Uh, but Baltimore just didn't look right offensively from the start, and – We've talked about this before with Lamar's ability to flip a switch and take over games. And I think he tried to do that again. And I just don't think he had it in him. Now, again, if he doesn't get hurt, is it possible that they end up coming back? Uh, sure. You know, any, anything's possible. Um, but kind of right off the bat, Vito, as, as the captain of the Josh Allen train on this pod, uh, what were your reactions here seeing the Buffalo Bills go back to the AFC Championship game for the first time in 25 years? Man, it's, it's awesome to see. I mean, this was such a different game than I was expecting. I don't know about you guys. I think everybody, I mean, the defensive aspect of it was pretty impressive. Um, but I guess from the Bills offensive standpoint, when you look at what Josh Allen did, um, we've talked about it this year, his completion percentage jumping up, what he's been able to do and, and really elevate his game, lessening the amount of mistakes he makes. And, and that's what was the difference in this game, right? Uh, no interceptions, no turnovers by Josh Allen, other than the pick six, by Lamar. Um, that's the difference in the game. You know, uh, that play, why I picked it as my moment of the weekend was because, you know, they take that in. It's, it's a tied game. It's 10, 10, and this is a whole different feel. Um, when you look at what the bills did offensively, it's actually funny. There's only nine carries from their running backs. Josh Allen had seven as well, but, uh, yeah. in the NFL that takes into account sacks. Well, they went, so it, it was 17 different. to one, uh, going into half or yeah, right around halftime. I think with like four minutes left, it was a 17 to one uh, with nine minutes and 21 left in the second. They threw the ball 17 times to one run, which was a scramble and uh, by Josh Allen. So that's wild. Yeah. And, and um, so yeah, then called passes is what they went with. And I think to come away from it was the fact that Diggs, hundred yards, a touchdown, like he, he's their guy. Um, he made a lot of big plays all over the field really. And um, the Ravens just couldn't match that firepower and offense for whatever reason, their rushing ga uh, game couldn't get going and credit to the bills defense. I mean, they really think about it. The bills defense scored seven and let up three. They won this game by themselves. And I don't think any one of us would have thought that that group out of the four groups of offense and defense for both teams, that that would be the group that single-handedly wins the game. So hats off to them. No. And I think the, uh, the bills defense for the credit that we give them, uh, as much as the, the Bills offense moved the ball, um, 
I think the Bills defense did a great job in controlling field position, right? Like the the area that Lamar got hit and taken down and ended up out of the game with a concussion, that would have been a potential safety, uh, right, on that play. That was within yeah. the 10. And and their defense and special teams was killing it all game long for Buffalo. And, and hats off to Bills Mafia. I met a lot of those those fine, fine folks from upstate New York on my uh, on my honeymoon. And uh, I, I was rooting for Bills Mafia. Uh, let's go, Buffalo. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going back through my notes here. And the thing that kind of keeps coming up here and, and the theme over and over again was it was it was good defense as much as it was bad offense on both sides. Uh, Josh Allen missed three open deep balls uh, and, and badly by like 10 plus yards on each one. He felt for the first time this season, he looked more like old Josh Allen. Now, granted, he came out in the second half and turned it on. Um, and, and I've heard a lot this week about people saying, well, you know, Josh Allen, uh, he, he hasn't played his best game yet. You know, this team could be still very dangerous. And I do believe that. Um, you know, I, I think back to the, the Nick Foles run in Philadelphia. You know, he played terrible in the first playoff game uh, after the bye. And then he came out in the NFC Championship game against Minnesota and lit the world on fire against a really, really good defense. So I think there's absolutely that potential of Josh Allen just, you know, getting back in his bag and, and, and pulling out some stuff. But the main takeaway from this is the Buffalo defense. And obviously you hit it at the top of the pod, Vito, the, in, the pick six that he caught just at the goal line and then kind of stumbled back and then proceeded to run it, you know, 104 yards to the end zone, 102 yards, however long it was Uh, the instincts to be able to do that when you're already in the end zone uh, goes against everything they tell you. But one of the big things that happens in playoff games is the, the team that makes the play that you're not expecting to make ends up winning the game right whoever breaks the big play ends up winning the game and and sometimes you have to take risks and not always do what you're supposed to do and ended up paying off huge you know he had a blocker taking up uh stefan diggs chasing him down from behind you know he he had a a clear pathway and and good on him for for making that play but and that's the thing that everybody is going to focus on from this game but the the more important thing to me was how well they contained josh allen they had, I think, four sacks in the first half um, or the first like three quarters. Uh, Ed Oliver was playing out of his mind. I mean, they had guys all over the field playing really, really well. But that D line in Buffalo played a game that I didn't know. I always knew they were solid. I didn't know they could be that dominant. Um, but that also says a lot about the Baltimore offensive line, who was already banged up going into this game, has been banged up all year. They lost Marshall, uh, Marshall Yonda last year. So, and on top of it, too, I think they had a stretch where they were at the five or it was first and goal. Um, and they, they had two false starts in a row and a sack in between. Um, and next thing you know, it's, you know, they think they end up trying to kick a field goal. It might have led to one of the Justin Tucker misses. So uh, just credit to the, the Buffalo defense. I think they have a much harder task ahead of them next week against Kansas City. Um, but they absolutely proved that the defense could win this game. Uh, and, and that's a big deal because you're not always going to be able to win with offense. And, and Baltimore did a another, really good job too. Another standout to me was, and you called it last week, Jeff, even though uh, Baltimore ended up winning the game, was the, the rare playoff miss by 
uh, Justin Tucker. You said that was some prophetic stuff, and they ended up winning the game. Now they come back in uh, the divisional round. Justin Tucker misses his first field goal again. And I texted you. I was like, mm, uh-oh, this might be even more prophetic. There's no way he misses in two straight playoff games. It's Justin Tucker. Man, I feel and he goes on to miss two kicks throughout the throughout yeah. the game. Yeah, I and and uh, one of my one of my friends um, was actually at the game, and I, I texted really? her. Yeah, and and uh, I texted her and was like, you know, you guys must be going so hard. And she texted me after, like, people in the stadium, because right, it's they were in last week, they were in this week, but to be there and to be screaming as Justin Tucker, Mister Automatic, misses two kicks that he definitely yeah. should make, and and Bills Mafia definitely was like, this is this is uh, like we are here and that whole vibe and the videos that she had of the people in the crowd. I'm sure you've seen some of them on social media. Everyone she said was possessed going crazy. And uh, it, it's wild when you think, right. Mistake free football, they don't throw that pick and they make those field goals. They probably win this game. And um, it's, it's really cool to see, I guess something unexpected happened like you were leading off to. And when fans can feel a part of that in some way, because they were allowed in finally, I yeah. just feel happy for those fans and uh, really excited to see what happens uh, when they all go to when Baltimore uh, or I'm sorry, when Buffalo will travel to Kansas city and Kansas city will have fans. It'll be, mm-hmm. you know, the playoffs are kind of raising the stakes with fans in the stadiums. And it's, it's really interesting. You know, I, I thought about that a lot. This, this was the first weekend. I honestly thought about fans like, I, I, I've often said, not that it's overrated. There are a few places where it absolutely makes a difference. Um, but from like an impact on the football side of it, I think there are advantages and disadvantages that come with both. You know, there is no momentum swing. There is no Philly fans booing the heck out of their guys when they're playing like crap, you know, Throwing batteries to, at Santa. Yeah. You yeah. Know. You know, you know, when, when that stuff's not going on, you know, there, there are teams that respond well to that uh, and, and it matters and it's the kick in the ass that they need, you know, to get where they're trying to go. This week was the first time that I really thought about, you know, playoff atmospheres and how different it can be. And, and just having the, you know, what was it? 9,000, 6,000 fans in Buffalo. I think um, it was 15. Okay. Was it? it was seven, no, was not in Buffalo. That was in no, Kansas city. It was they seven, had it was seven, yeah. a little over seven sickening amount of people in Kansas city. Good yeah. God. Yeah. But can't, I mean, Kansas city has been doing that all, that all year. Um, that being said, I mean, yeah, come on, watch any SEC football game this year, and that was a hell of a lot worse than what we've seen in Kansas City. Yeah, true. <laughs> but, you know, I, I thought a lot about that because the impact that it has from a, a, a theatric standpoint, like say what you will, that, that matters. You know, the, when you're a football – if you're in an empty football field, right, playing a game against another team, the only thing that really matters if there's zero fans in the stands – is the self-pride aspect of it. And when you are a football player on the field, and now all of a sudden you have an entire stadium full of fans that are pulling for you, 90,000, 50,000 people screaming at the top of your lungs, wanting this, you, you, it's one of the few ways to understand the magnitude as to how far the NFL reaches. You know, if, for a player to try to grasp what it's like to be watched on TV by 20 million people every single Sunday, that is a way for them to kind of feel that. And then it adds a whole nother layer of importance. It's, it's why they have Super Bowl parades, right? It's why we have that stuff because it does impact so much of, I think, the theatrics surrounding it. Now, how much does that affect football? 
it depends. I think that's a very like individual team and player thing. If, if you get impacted by that, I think at the end of the day, they're professionals and, and they're able to tune a lot of that stuff out, but it's been interesting to watch now as, as it's supposed to feel more important. And yet the games almost don't have that same edge because sometimes the end, the energy without fans really does make an impact in the playoffs. And I think that's why it's really important to, I think to recognize how much it does play in because especially in a season where we're used to no fans. There's a lot of places. Most games are played without fans. If so, they're below 10,000. They're definitely not being as loud as they are in these playoff games. So completely different I will, atmosphere. I mean, I, I'm just saying. I mean, Buffalo uh, you can, sounded pretty good. That sounded, no, that's what I'm saying. But they also have, no, the I'm saying compared to the regular season. Yeah. yeah. Compared to the regular season, without a doubt, any playoff game that you'll go to with fans sounds much different than being in one before. Yeah. And that advantage especially in a year when we all have been forced to be remote, do things completely different, have a different impact being outside. You know, there's been a lot of reasons to go outside and, and march and do other things this year for a lot of different things. And I think everyone that has had any experience in any of that stuff knows that, you know, mindset of getting together in a group and feeling something for a purpose, mm-hmm. especially in a year like this. And you can be goddamn sure that, Bills fans and Chiefs fans and Tampa Bay fans, um, you know, everyone who, who got to have a home game went off and felt like they impacted it and they should. And I guess that's what I'm, uh, uh, what I'm saying is that in this year, I think we can all recognize that like that is something that matters. And I'm very happy for the fans. I get to have that. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree yeah. more. Um, and, and that's actually a good transition point here uh, because <laughs> From one fan base that uh, got jubilation and many long, torturous years feeling like it's been the weight lifted off because all of a sudden they're back in the AFC Championship game. Uh, Cleveland fans woke up Monday morning um, not happy. And and I have to say is it it is a real bummer for that city because they were absolutely in that game. And I I got so mad at Kevin Stefanski at the eight, I think it was the eight minute mark. Um, it was fourth quarter drive with eight minutes left and they had a chance to go down. And, and the best part about it was they had enough time that they could run their normal offense. They could feed Nick Chubb. They could feed, you know, these guys. And to end up punting on fourth and two, when you have two elite talents at the running back position, I, it just, it was so frustrating. Because I knew, I knew the second they punted away, Chad Henney or not, they weren't getting that ball back. And it's a shame. It, it was for a team that has made so many great decisions and has done so many amazing things throughout this year to get to where they got. It sucked to see that that is what ended up ending their season. It was a, a frankly cowardice call on the part of Kevin Stefanski. Um, but then again, it's Chad Henney, right? Which I don't know, man. It's the playoffs. You, you want the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands. You don't want the ball in Chad Henney's hands uh, on either side. Um, and it just, it's, it's a shame. Yeah. It's a call that like you're saying, it's people are going to wake up and since it didn't work out, obviously just that's something to think about. I, I really more look at again, w- when you boil this game down to, especially in the playoffs, turnover margin is such a big, piece of it they had a fumble and an interception chad henney uh the browns had a fumble and an interception the chiefs just had one pick and that that one turnover difference 
you know, you look at the difference in score, it's five points that, that feeds into that. Uh, you know, those are really comparable when you talk about turnover field position, what it can do to the tempo of a game. And um, so I think the Browns got to look in the mirror a little bit and realize, you know, they have some things to clean up. Um, it, again, if, if this team would have played a clean game, like you said, taking a little more chances, especially on that call, it would be really interesting to see how this ends up. Um, but they were in it. You got to give it to the Browns. Got to give it to Chad Henney pulling that out yeah that run was 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 sick i didn't it think he sick. saw the wheels like that i think the can call believe was better from from tony romo oh, oh, wait can yeah. we can we talk about that for a second um i i am so conflicted on tony romo even still i because oh, he's he's remarkable but i gotta admit man when he when he gets to that i don't know Jim. it dude it it's like nails on a chalkboard sometimes oh I and love he's it. he was go like his energy level he he was like a good announcer like feels the energy like move right and slowly get up and he will just jump back and forth from like 10 to, to 1 at the end of a game instead of just like a slow build up to then hit the 10 and he hit the 10 like way too early but i also i love the the passion and the enthusiasm what he's I also about a cowboy him, so I yeah mean. that's true I, what i love about <laughs> him is the last couple of years when they get to the championship games i don't know if you remember this but he was diagnosing plays before they were happening love with it. the pen and he was like so now what they're going to probably want to do since this was replaced out and they have a, a nickel corner in here is they're going to run this route combination probably to expose him and read off him and then as they snap the ball, they run those exact two routes that he just drew yeah. up. And like, that's the kind of stuff where a recent player has such an advantage because their mind just is set differently than anyone else's that's in the booth. And I'm wondering if that luster is kind of worn off because if he doesn't get back to that in the next game or two, then like, I'm kind of out on Tony. Like you're saying, he just, he gets kind of, they annoyed. don't want to, yeah, they no, don't, but the, the thing is, if you do it. On that play, he was like, yeah, they're going to snap the ball. They're just trying to draw him offside. They're not going to want to play. No, no chance. And then they snapped the ball. And he's like, <laughs> oh, no, that was a different play where, where they got the first down. <clears throat> it wasn't the run. Um, it was the pass out to, uh, yeah, to Hardman to Tyre- that ended the game. Yeah, to Hardman. Oh, no, to Tyreek, yeah. Um, he was like, they're not going to snap the ball. No way. Not a chance. Uh, they're just trying to draw him offside. And then he snaps the ball. And they go, oh, I didn't, I didn't think you were going to run a play, Jim. <laughs> and then he proceeds to throw the ball to Tyree Killer. Whoever the hell caught the ball. Yeah, it was it was Tyree Kill. Um, yeah, and for I, a first down, he goes, oh, Jim, I didn't see that coming. Well, that's actually because that's a good point here. Because as for as, as disappointing as this is for Browns fans, and and I am sorry to every Browns fan out there that that is how it ended for you guys. I think you have a super bright future. I think Stefanski is a great coach, and and he's a young coach. You remember this is his first year as a head coach, and he he took the Browns two rounds into the playoffs. That's probably coach of the year in a, in a, I, in a, a year improbable to to be coaching mm-hmm. a full season. I mean, he had, he had his team prepared. Think about just like that as a leader that when, like, if, if you have a boss at your job who is so, so good at his job and so good at, at building and teaching his, the people who work for him that, you know, he gets COVID and has to go stay at home for two weeks and your, your company ends up being almost as good, if not better without him or is able to continue to run without him. That says a lot about what he has done to build a culture in Cleveland. Exactly. That was one of the most impressive wins of the season. Anyone would agree. And to do that with missing, you know, under that adversity, just so impressive. Yeah. 
Um, well, we so, talked about so again, Ron Rivera the, a lot at the at the end of the year. We talked about Ron Rivera a lot, and that's the the same to- sort of mentality as a player, right? You want to, as a coach, you want your players to be playing for you. Right? Yeah, for for sure, for sure. And, and they're both in that, um, you know, they're both in that coach of the year conversation. Obviously, everything Ron Rivera, everything Ron Rivera has done this year has been uh, remarkable. But I don't want to take anything away from Kansas city here, because for as, as bad of a loss as it might be for Cleveland um, and for their fans to take uh, it was an equally as impressive win for Kansas city to be able to do that without Patrick Mahomes. Um, You know, that, that play at the end, the throw where, you know, Jim Nance got his balls chopped off um, (laughs) or at least squeezed really tightly, Uh, (laughs) you know, throwing out to Tyreek Hill at some, they have the ability at all times because of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey to just be like, Oh yeah, we're just going to have the fastest guy in the league run out in one direction. And, and you're not going to be able to do anything about it unless you, unless you put somebody out, which like, there's just nothing you can do. Or two um, somebody's. <laughs> now I don't know if they can beat their defense played pretty well in this game. Uh, but I think Buffalo's offense is better than Cleveland's. I think Josh Allen's much more dangerous than, than Baker Mayfield. Uh, I hope Josh Allen wakes up feeling dangerous on, on uh, Sunday, <laughs> but you know, Josh Allen poses a new interesting challenge for this Kansas city team. And without Patrick Mahomes, and it looks like he's going to play though. I don't think he should based off of what I saw on the field, which oh is he God. stood up and damn near collapsed. That was um, gnarly dude. <laughs> you know, there was a big motion for a long time in the NFL about concussion awareness and everything. And we've gotten to a point where we're so used to having the spotters, you know, the unaffiliated NFL spotters who go out and pull these guys from games um, that when stuff like this happens where you're, you know, Andy Reid sitting in the press conference being like, Oh yeah, no, he's good. He could have come back and play. He could play tonight. And I'm just like, really? Like well, you're that quick to like, you know it's, why. it's just, you know, of course. I mean, they have to have a certain public image about the whole thing. And, and frankly, all that's overdue, but it's just a little disheartening after the, the big push towards that, that all of a sudden everybody knew everybody, every fan, everyone, journalist, everyone within the chiefs organization knew, Oh yeah, no, Pat's playing next week. Don't worry about it. And that to me is like, so then w- what's the point of us going all in on all this stuff? And we're talking about a guy who signed a $400 million contract in the offseason, And now he gets a concussion after we spouted for 10 years because guys have problems for a long time with concussions moving forward that we're not even going to protect our league's biggest star just because a few less people are going to watch. I mean, I, I have had five well, is concussions that what you myself. Is that, I, do you believe that they're like that, that, that is happening? Cause that's a, di- that's a big statement to make, right? It, it yeah. is. And I and agree with I'm you, not Jeff. saying for sure that that is what's happening, but the dismissive attitude that like, Pat, like maybe we should just be more cautious with Pat Mahomes after what happened. And yet everyone's on board with saying, Oh yeah, no, he's, he's def- definitely going to play next week after the guy almost collapsed trying to stand up. Like I, I just, every okay, well, standard I'll, I'll concussion protocol then. is two yeah. weeks, right? You need two weeks to at minimum to come back from that. And, and if they're saying it wasn't a concussion, it was whiplash or, or something else. That's fine. But from everything I've seen, he went into the concussion protocol and he didn't get cleared at the game. He, he got also pulled stand from the up game. straight. <laughs> um, again, I'm not trying to accuse the NFL of, of, of forcing him to play or anything like that. 
and he's a gamer and chances are he's going to want to play. That's part of the problem with concussions in the NFL. These guys don't want to take themselves off the field. They want to play through that stuff. It's how much it means to them. But I just think at the end of the day, either, either way, the NFL pushed really hard for concussion safety for a long time. And it feels like that message has been washed out a little bit and, and there should be a continued focus on it. Okay. No, I, I guess from where I was going with that is that I, I, and I, I know you've had a lot of concussions. I've had enough to where I had to stop playing sports as well. Like we've had enough where I guess the feeling is that sometimes a concussion can look bad or not look bad. Right. Which is mm-hmm. usually that's what the, where the issue lies, especially in the NFL or in the history of football at any level. 100%. Uh, but, and, and where I wanted to, I guess, get your take, Jeff, is that do you think looking at that hit and that concussion and having experienced them enough to know, um, and I don't know what number this is, which has a huge effect in his life, right? What is yeah. this? If it's number one, it's way different than number six or eight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so taking this at, at what it is, do you think after seeing that hit that he would be ready? Like you in his situation, would you be ready for the next week? No, I, me personally, no, but I, I, I leaned over. I was watching a game with my room. I literally leaned over the second he stood up and his camera, they zoomed in on his face. And you could, when you have a concussion, there's such a, a, a daze that goes over you. I've coached high school football for four years. Like I've seen high school kids get smashed and you just, you know, you know, immediately it's like porn. You know it when you see it. <laughs> it's right? in the eyes, you know? Yeah. And, and he was on another porn planet. Is in the eyes. And he, he, <laughs> And he stood up. This is a very serious conversation. And I, I it's on me. I'm the one that brought porn into it. <laughs> but, you know, they stand him up and he can't even keep himself up. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I, I am not in a position to be able to speculate fully. But from everything I've saw and from my experiences, I felt very comfortable saying that dude is as a concussion. Now, I agree. again, and, and- there are concussions you can come back from pretty easily, but it's always two in high school. It's two weeks. You got to wait two weeks before you come back. And, and Pat Mahomes is 24, 20, yeah, 24 years old. Like he, he's still not even to that point where they say your brain's de- done developing at 25. It's important to remember that like, these are, these are brain injuries. I was listening to an interview with John Ritchie, a former NFL fullback uh, this week who talks about how terrified he is every single day when he wakes up that a guy that John Gruden used to tell him to emulate ended up dying from uh, uh, dementia and ALS in his like fifties, who was another former fullback. So, you know, there, there's a whole nother deeper, deeper layer to this. And I will say to your, to your point, Scott, pulling Mahomes middle in the middle of a playoff game uh, was the right thing to do. And is not something that would have happened 15 plus years ago. I agree. I think that oh, we've made a lot of strides. And I think that for my point, I know you guys said, talked about the money a little bit. I just think that if the kind of argument to that is that in, in the way I believe any good organization needs to look at least three to five years down the road, if not 20 and say, what decision am I making today to make that product better? And yeah. in the NFL's case, Pat Mahomes is your guy for the next 10 years. So, um, and the it's Chiefs worth know, a half a billion dollars. Yeah, the Chiefs know that. The NFL know that knows that. So hopefully they're they're doing the right things and not getting him back for a few more views. Honestly, it, if he's playing or not, I feel like this NFL game because of COVID is going to get like so many views. I'm wondering what the Super Bowl is going to be this year because people are going to be watching more remotely, not all together. 
I think yeah. those numbers are going to shoot up. Well, what's interesting, college football national championship had its lowest numbers, like pretty much ever. Um, really? Yeah. I think, was, I think that was, was just Jade from college football fans. I think Alabama and Ohio state are the two most disliked programs in America yeah, nationally. Exactly. And I think that played a part of it. And I think the fact that it was a bit of a blowout on the back end also was a big part of it. Mm. But uh, yeah. Um, so, I, and I know the last thing I want to say about the chiefs is yeah, just, cause we got to get into a little more of the football here because they, they did a lot of really interesting stuff here, even with Chad Henney. Um, and you're still talking about two of the best playmakers in Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, when you look at his completion, his his average completion went for 11 yards, which is a little further than I think I would have thought. I would have thought that Brendan Chad Henney would kind of dump it off. They ran the offense, and like credit to them for having a guy like Chad Henney as a backup. Um, this that is interception where, was horrible, though. Oh my god, that interception was, like, was egregiously bad. When you can oh, yeah. see rust falling off a player, it's incredible. And that was like I haven't played against like. Yes, I practice against the ones, but I have not played in a tempo of game like this in a long time. Like, I mean, where is it? I don't even know where he's throwing it. And that's the thing, too. Going back, sorry, I don't mean to go back to the Cleveland thing, but it's like they had all of the fucking momentum. Yeah. They had all of it. They had this terrible interception. Chad Henney just threw a duck straight to the freaking safety. Like, it wasn't even they a had duck. It was a pretty game. good pass. It was just to the safety. They just, had to, they just <laughs> had to keep running their freaking offense. And Jedrick Will's getting out early hurt, too. No question. But God damn. Sorry. I, just, well, but, I was uh, so frustrated for Cleveland on, on Saturday, on Sunday. I was yeah. so freaking frustrated, but no, yeah. that's, that's really where it comes down to. And, and again, you know, turnovers and it is what it is. Uh, not going for it. There is, is really what I think a lot of us will look at, but on the football side, when they review that tape, they're going to be like, we could have done more to win that. How about um, what, what has happened to Le'Veon Bell, man, you know, going back to his whole contract holdout, Think about how big of a loss that was for him. I mean, look, he got paid pretty well from the Jets, but then gets cut. And then he goes to a Super Bowl team trying to be – and, like, he got two carries. You know, Daryl Williams comes in being the third stringer all year, and they go, actually, you get, you're better for our offense. Yeah, We're going to feed you. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a weird one. But, look, this is still going to come down to – even if you do have to start Chad Henney, you still have – I mean, did you did you look at Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey stat lines? They both had eight catches. Uh, Tyree Kill had 110 yards. Travis Kelsey had 109, but Kelsey had the touchdown. They both got 10 targets. Like they had like identical stat lines, except Tyree Kill had one more yard and Travis Kelsey got the touchdown. Yeah, and it's, and it's deep. McCall Hardman, Daryl Williams out of the backfield, Demarcus Robinson. You when know, you're trying to defend fans. this team, what, uh, the hardest part is that, yes, everyone has different players and everyone knows that the fastest guy in the NFL, <laughs> two of the fastest guys in the NFL are Hardman and, and Hill. It's just the unique ability of Travis Kelsey and what he does all over the field mm-hmm. is just so unique. And I think that's the special offensive weapon more than Tyree kill that distinguishes the chiefs. Um, and, that's the player that I think when you're defending them, yes, you have to have two deep safeties. You probably can't really double each side. Like you have to have something over the top because of Tyreek yeah. and Hardman. 
but there's like always going to be gaps in between the coverage. Exactly. And unless if, you're trying to play really straight man too deep. Well, yeah. And if you're and in no too one deep can do man, then you're screwed. You run a crossing route. If you run too deep and you have like a zone, then you just run Travis Kelsey on a post. Like, I don't, the, the amount of weapons that and every guy can beat a one-on-one coverage is just mm-hmm. incredible across the line. Um, I think maybe a lot of people, including myself are sleeping a little bit on the chiefs because of the fact they're just so damn good consistently that it's like, we're over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's where I think we're at. It'll be interesting if they go on to win a super bowl this year, if the beginning of chief chiefs fatigue will sit in, you know, we'll, we'll start mm. to get, you know, and I've, I said this very early on Mahomes is, it reminds me a lot of the football equivalent of Steph Curry, right? He does things yep. that like, like nobody's seen before. And, and he has this incredible arm and he does these no look passes and he does all this crazy stuff, but he's also just painfully likable. Like you just like, if you just love the guy, it doesn't matter if you're like, I'd imagine like you're in the same conferences as Vito and even you as a fan, like you're a Broncos fan, like even you have to sit back and be like, man, like I, I want to hate this guy, but I just can't. It's, it's one of those things for sure that I think it's going to get to the point where people are saying, Yes, he had incredible seasons. Can he put together a career like Brady? Like he he's already distinguishing himself so high up by winning an MVP, winning a Super Bowl, like doing these things at such a young age and having a young group around him. Um, it's gonna be wild to see what happens in the like the last seven or eight years where he consistently has this massive contract and you know, they're drafting players using them and then they have to get rid of them by the time and they can't sign them because of his deal. Like the cap implications of having an elite quarterback can he be a Brady means can he win without some of these options or keep the offensive weapons and the defense suffers. But yeah, the point is such a good point that makeup is going to change. And if he can win at that level, then I think he becomes one of the all time guys. So yeah, that's such a good point, Vito. Given the law and it it is, and given the one benefit, if you're, if you're Kansas city is you have a long-term contract here, right? Mm -hmm. So when you are, you're talking about projecting into the future, you know that every decision that the Chiefs make moving forward, that just becomes a factored part of their cap situation for the next decade. So they, though they have limited resources, it's consistent. You know, they aren't going to be looking for Carson Wentz. Uh, how much do we owe him before? Oh, we owe him $64 million guaranteed before we can cut him. Really? Okay, cool. Um, you know, without it being a devastating cap hit. So for there is none of that with Mahomes. You know it's always going to be there, you know, barring injury. And then even so, there's certain injury exceptions you can work around the cap with. So it will be really interesting to see what they do moving forward. But Andy Reid also drafts really well. And they have a really good – they've drafted really well. And think about it. Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt was drafted there. Ty, Travis Kelsey, uh, their offensive line, they're all homegrown guys. Clyde Edwards Elaire is going to be there for another four years and should only continue to get better. They do a really good job of finding guys like Tyree Kill wasn't a first round draft pick, you know? So it's really interesting. And, and I hope if Mahomes plays this weekend, he's healthy mm-hmm. and, and he's, he's the version that can really show us, you know, a competitive game between he and Josh Allen. Cause I think that could be a, a really, really fun matchup, but let's get into this last there game from, from the past weekend here, Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Brady, whatever you want to call the mashup there. Uh, team, how about this? We're going to have two bays in the NFC championship. We have Tampa Bay and green Bay. I don't know if that matchups ever happened before, but. And last uh, year we had the Bay with the Niners. So. Last year we had the Bay. So two years in a row, a Bay is going to be in uh, the Super Bowl here for the NFC. Uh, but this game was interesting. Um, the thing I've talked about all year, 
guys about Drew Brees being washed, I felt pretty vindicated watching this game. Um, and it's yeah. because yeah. this was the You're first. Right. This was the first time that Drew Brees had to do more than just quick checkdowns and throws to the outside. And when you saw him try to force the ball down the field, because the Tampa Bay secondary did an excellent job in coverage all game, Michael Thomas, the ghost of Michael Thomas, I should say, coming out here was getting no separation. Uh, There was a stat that out of all the playoff games that have been played so far, New Orleans against Tampa Bay hit their wide receivers were the least open of any of the teams. So he wasn't getting help from his wide receivers. He wasn't getting help from the tight end position. Jared Cook, I think, had uh, two fumbles. Um, Traycon Smith had an awesome game. And and the one deep ball that they hit on, and we saw what happens when you can open up the offense, was Jameis Winston on on the trick play, which, by the way, was basically the same play design as the one Trubisky threw to uh, Wims in the back end zone that he dropped. It was the the exact same. It was like the exact same play. Uh, it, it hit a little quicker. They did one yeah. less handoff, mm-hmm. um, but it was the same exact play design. And, uh, you know, Jameis threw a pearl, which, you know, good for Jameis. It was cool to see him out there. Um, but I, I saw a stat that broke my heart as an Eagles fan. says Jameis Winston has more playoff touchdown passes than Carson Wentz. Wow. <laughs> Got him. Because Carson so Wentz can be Garoppolo. <laughs> I still will not understand your hatred towards Jimmy Garoppolo. I never will. Um, But this was Drew Brees being forced to do what he was uncomfortable to do all year because he didn't want to tarnish the Drew Brees legacy. And he knew deep down, I can't push the ball down the field. And when he was forced to, he threw three interceptions. Well, I think what's interesting about this whole game, though, is that this is the third time they played. So you know that Tampa has played them twice and got their ass kicked, quite frankly. So – I think a little bit of the difference is the fact that that worked before Drew Brees dumping it off worked. I think the biggest difference and where I look again, 10 point difference game. um, Those turnovers, three picks, Drew Brees throwing three picks. Like, yeah, you're going to lose against Tom Brady. He had none. And, and they had very similar um, completion percentage in terms of, of the two guys. Uh, Brady was 18 for 33 Brees 19 for 34. Um, Brady had more yards, but and two touchdowns versus the pick and three interceptions. And that's the difference. I think like when, when you have those kind of turnovers in a game like this, you're screwed. I mean, you're, you can't, and they had a fumble yeah. on top of that, like you mentioned. So it's four to zero in the turnover battle. You lost by 10. You probably should have lost by more. I, I think Breeze focusing, um, it's, he seemed to focus on guys. Like he was almost trying to go down seams and prove something instead of checking it off. Like I didn't, I didn't get why, like to your point, he was trying to change what got them there and whether that's Tampa playing great defense, that's some of it for sure. But he also wasn't going through his progression as quickly as at least I'm used to seeing, like it didn't seem like breeze. There was something off and whether it's just an off game or not, it it wasn't the same. Yeah. My uh, 21 of the, of Tampa's 30 points came off of turnovers, which was huge. And Michael Thomas just straight up wasn't open. Uh, The dude had zero catches. It's the first time in his entire NFL career he's had zero catches in a game, ever. Um, and and to to the degree that that Breeze doesn't have, I mean, I spent most of the year in denial, um, perhaps because he was on my fantasy team, perhaps because the Saints are my second favorite team in the NFL. Uh, it was the first time watching Breeze all year, and I think it got to even the second quarter where I was like, ugh. That doesn't look like Drew Brees. 
he doesn't have it anymore, man. I, I, he really doesn't have it. And I remember I was wa- sitting there watching the game with my father-in-law and he goes, you think he's going to actually retire at the end of the year? I was like, uh, unless they win the Super Bowl, maybe, <clears throat> but yeah. I don't, I don't see him coming back. Like, I don't think he has it. <laughs> like, well, and you, and you know nothing... what that is, Scott, you know what that is that Tom Brady has ruined the idea of, of a, what a 40 year old quarterback can do. Right. Like he, yeah. he's like, he's like the, the best, the person you have the best sex with in your entire life, like ruins you for every other person that you have sex with. Like that is what Tom Brady is, but for 40 year old quarterbacks in the NFL, because he has given us this idea that people can do this at 40 plus and history has yeah. shown us in, even in late years, we saw today, Phil Rivers announced his retirement today. You know, like we, we've seen guys, when they hit a certain point, and again, this is what's so incredible about Rodgers, is it looks like Rodgers might actually still do this, but he's 37. A lot could change in three years. You know, Rodgers could could hit a cliff because three years ago, Drew Brees was still slinging the ball down the field. You know, he still looked like Drew Brees. Yeah. Um, the, the fact that Alvin Kamara only touched the ball 21 times in this game, uh, knowing how much offense they were going to need, particularly down the end, I think was was problem was a, a – a hole in their game plan. Uh, well, I yeah, think. but uh, a hole. Yeah. To- but there's, there's another point there too, is that it, I, there was something I heard. I think it, I heard it during the game was that breeze Kamara and Thomas, Thomas having zero catches Kamara only having uh, Two, 21 touches, three, sorry, <clears throat> but 21 total touches in the game. Um, those three have only played with each other <clears throat> for three games this season. Yeah. Three games. Yeah. Those are your three best players on the New Orleans Saints. They've only well, played with each other three we games t- this year. We talked about this earlier in the year that there was something off with this New Orleans team, and it started with whatever the bullshit going on with Michael Thomas was. You know, early in the year, he punches a teammate at practice. He gets suspended, and then he's hurt, but they're saying he's practicing, and he was almost like a, like a healthy scratch, but they wouldn't admit that he was healthy. Like, it was a very – bizarre situation and i just continue to get weird vibes from that team over and over and over again i think it started with the fact that drew Brees offensively limits them at to a certain point like drew Brees made the most of what he could do this year given what his physical capabilities were you know he he maxed out everything that he possibly could and ultimately it's only enough to get them to the nfc divisional round and drew Brees has had a phenomenal career statistically one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But we were talking about this on the radio the other day. Is Drew Brees a little bit overrated? No. 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 I don't See, think so. I, I think in 10 years, we're going to look back on Drew Brees' career, and it's going to feel more like Eli Manning. He was more efficient, one less Super Bowl. Because you're going to have Super the benefit Bowls. of hindsight with guys like Lamar went, and Patrick Mahomes. He went, to like, one, on. he, he went to one Super Bowl, though. And I'm not totally sold on this take, so I'm, I'm, I'm flipping. But I, I want to do the due diligence on it because he consistently did not show up in big-time playoff games. If we want to go the route of, oh, well, New Orleans just got screwed by the ref, you know, three years in a row and the Minnesota miracle and this stuff, I get it. Think about how good those New Orleans teams were throughout the regular season for so long. I can only remember them drafting in the top half of the draft like once over that stretch, and it was the year that they drafted the D end from UTSA. Uh, what's his Cam name? Jordan? Uh, yeah. No, um, no, uh, Mar- um, Davenport. 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 Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, out, yeah. and, and outside of that, I mean, Cam Jordan. Like, they went out and they they were 
such a great front office as far as bringing in pieces, and they never got past that. And he only got to one Super Bowl. And granted, in that Super Bowl, he beat Peyton Manning. And he played really well. But they also had an onside kick that came out at halftime, which is one of the ballsiest moves in NFL history by Sean Payton, which played a massive impact. And remember, the biggest play from that game was the Tracy Porter pick six. So at the end of the day, we will look back and see the compiled stats. But as the NFL continues to turn into a passing league and more and more quarterbacks overpass him statistically, because in five years, Drew Brees is going to be like fifth on some of those lists. Yeah, but I'm not looking at stats. I think the reason, and I get that argument, but he has been a guy for the last 15 years that if you said name the top three quarterbacks, it's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, it's Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Peyton He's in that category. He's getting selected a lot. And I think that that's the difference is that he is a guy who in the last 20 years, people who were alive during this time span will remember him as like going through choosing a team because of fantasy, because of all these different things, how much he's actually done more than a Phillip rivers, more than some of these other guys who will get lost. I think to stats, like even Matt Ryan comparatively, I think will Stafford. Stafford, yeah, like I think all of Breeze those is, guys are a tier below. He's definitely a tier up, you know? I think, yeah, and I agree. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think he is above a Phil Rivers. I, I think he, I think, I, I don't even think, I know he's a better quarterback than Eli Manning, even though Eli won two Super Bowls. But I, I do think there is a little bit, like he only, was, he was first team all pro once in his career. So there was only one time in 20 years where the entire league recognized him as the best quarterback, the best player at his position. Now, granted, he was competing. His contemporaries yeah. were sick, and I to- and I totally get that. But I think we might have overrated some of what his career could be. Again, I'm not sold on this take entirely. I'm dipping my, I'm dipping the toes in. <laughs> I'm feeling it out. I'm seeing how how it works. But I think it's a legitimate question. Um, that being said, I do want to hear focus on. Tampa Bay, yep, because uh, they played a really outstanding game. Playoff Lenny, how about uh, Joe Buck giving <laughs> giving a call out, a shout out to to Big Cat on on the nat on the freaking I divisional playoff. Was that amazing. was phenomenal. I was dying. I was literally crying, laughing like fucking. You, let's go. We Joe needed Buck? it. How can we you hate Joe a Buck? Playoff guy, I love I it. Know, I wish man. he had that call so you could have called Playoff Daryl like we had talked about. But no, this was so sick. And not to mention when you talk about that rush offense. They actually got 30 carries to their running backs. Um, I got 125 yards out of it. So their average was right around that four number, but Brady throwing for just under 200. Again, no turnovers. I think what they did on offense was, was really great. And you don't want to know what's crazy. Here are the people who caught balls in their amounts from Brady. Cameron Brait had four catches. Leonard Fournette had five. Yeah. Uh, Chris Godwin had four. And then these next people all had one reception. Scott Miller, Tyler Johnson, Robert Kowski, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans. I caught a ball. Scotty yes, Miller Scotty caught Miller. a ball. What? So How about the throwback, by the way, real quick. How about the throwback to the fantasy days with Mike Evans, one catch, but it's a touchdown pass. Like that's that's it's the it's the ultimate Mike Evans. Yeah. Like no matter why you always want him in fantasy because exactly. even if he has one catch, it's a touchdown catch. Yeah, he'll get like classic Mike yardage. Evans, but he'll get you an extra eight points on that in a PPR. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think the offense, you, you just got to give credit to the Buccaneers and what they did. They didn't make mistakes, and then defensively, like you said, whatever they did worked. However, they got Brady or I'm sorry, however they got Breeze to play off his game, they they fucking did it because he did not look like himself. Well, well that defense was flying all over the field, man. Like they were in the middle of the year. 
Well, similar, that was nuts. Similarly, and to that to that point, Scott, Devin White coming in with 11 tackles, and and he was a guy we talked about going into last. Yeah, week. Murphy Bunting was flying all over the place, man. We, 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 yeah, I mean, we were we were talking about how much of an impact not having Devin White was against Washington, and then they come out and, and play. Devin White comes back in this game, and and you know the guy had 140 tackles this year. So, and he had a pick at, on at, top of that too. Yeah. Uh, Devin White is played all over the place, uh, had a huge tackle for a loss in one of those games uh, and one of those things as well. Um, this Tampa Bay defense, what they did is similar to like what we were talking about there uh, in the beginning of the pod with, with Green Bay and Los Angeles when they're in, when they were at the one yard line, right? The, the, the defense was forced to be condensed in that situation by the field. What Tampa Bay did was, we're just going to kind of play like we're in the red zone at all times. And they brought everybody up. They took Kamara out of the game and they said, we're going to just play man to man on the outside. Cause your wide receivers aren't getting separation and aren't beating us. And ultimately tested drew Brees and said, try to throw the ball downfield. Oh, you're yeah, going to have, you're going to have man to man. The only way you can truly beat man to man is either have a guy like Devonte Adams who can you know run the quick slants and get open in, in that kind of situation. But also, in the primary way, is to beat people over the top, you know, if you're just going straight up man-to-man with no safety help. And it worked because they tested Drew Brees. They said, we're not going to let you throw these short little dump-offs or else we're going to, you know, tackle your guys for a loss. Or yeah. And you're not going to be able to run the ball. And when he threw the ball well, deep, three interceptions. That's what worked early. And then later in the game when, when Tampa was – or I'm sorry, New Orleans was trying to come back, they they kind of screwed Breeze up. They threw a little uh, too deep, uh, a little man with too deep safety, right? And and completely eradicated any chance of a deep ball, uh, like they did all game, um, and and forced him in a in a, a couple of uh, shit passes. Oh, sorry, I swore again. God dang it! <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, either way, Tampa Bay is going to be a team to to watch out for here moving forward. Um, they have a ton of weapons, obviously, on the offensive and, end of it. Antoine and Tom Winfield. Brady. Yeah, and that's the other thing, right? You have Tom Brady, who, <laughs> who spent his entire career playing playoff games in the cold. Uh, him going to Lambeau is not going to be a factor. Uh, we're, talking about well, the impact of, we're, we're talking about the impact of fans. Green Bay is like the one team left out of these two teams and, and one of the few teams from this past weekend who didn't allow fans like and hasn't allowed fans all year. So Green Bay – I think that's actually like advantageous to Aaron Rodgers pre-snap, right? He's, he feels like he's just a little more calm. It feels even more relaxed for him, which is a dangerous spot to be. Uh, and Tampa Bay is going to have a, a lot of work cut out from. So actually, you know, why don't we go into that game? Cause uh, I think we kind of hit everything we need to from Tampa Bay's side. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you know, new Orleans, it's a great career for Drew Brees. Um, he will be a hall of famer, no doubt. Uh, and he ends at the top of a lot of lists and, and it, it's sad. We, we, again, you, you touched on at the very beginning there, Scott, about the touchdown pass and that whole interaction with them afterwards was, um, was truly special. And it actually, it made me think, you know, 20, 30 years ago, those are the stories that you would hear on like the show, like the, the sports reporters, you know, where they would tell oh, those yeah. kinds of stories and, and, and you'd hear from a friend of a friend of, oh, there's this great, there was this great story of Lawrence Taylor doing this thing or whatever. Like those are the behind the scenes stories that with cell phones and everything else that we actually get to see in real time now. Yeah. Um, Cause back then it just would have been people like writing stories in the press box and they would see that and they'd make a note of it and it might pop up in an article or come up on radio. 
but now we get to kind of be witness to it. And I think it adds a whole nother human element to the game. But um, as we look ahead here, uh, it's, it's in my words, the goat versus the boat here. we got the greatest of all time in Tom Brady versus the best of all time in uh, Aaron Rodgers, And there is a distinction there. The I love great, that. The, the greatest of all time is what you, what you, what accolades, what you do as a player in the national football league and what Tom Brady has accomplished as a member of the national football league member of the Patriots. And now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is unmatched. You cannot come up with a better resume. But when I, when I sit down and watch football and watch quarterbacks play the game, what Aaron Rodgers has done throughout his entire career, I've never seen anybody else do it over the time that he has. And he is the best to ever do it. Now, Mahomes is making a quick run to, 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 to unseat him there. I need to see some more of it. Honestly. Um, But yeah, X one point Scott as well. Um, But to me, it's the goat versus the boat. And I am, I'm really excited for this game. I think it could be awesome. I mean, by the way, I went four and oh in my picks last week. Anyone listening to this now, you wouldn't know, but this was the the final four that I had. Um, So I'm, I'm excited for this one. Early thoughts there, Scotty, where, where are you, your gut reaction when you see Tampa Bay versus Green Bay? It's funny. I I was explaining uh, the goat versus boat thing to my father-in-law because we explained it a lot on the, on the podcast and and earlier episodes of, of, xfl three pod three point pod and i was explaining to my my father-in-law who loves football uh english is a second language but also like he loves football watching the nfl watching games with me and i was explaining the difference to him and he was like oh then yeah i think aaron Rodgers is the boat (laughs) and tom brady go and i was like yeah um well said. <laughs> well, one one was, thing to back that up real quick on the boat side is I'm pretty sure I'm going to look this up as we're talking, but Aaron Rodgers still has the best quarterback rating of all time in NFL history. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you look over his career, like that, that is one stat that definitely says you are the best. It's what Steve Young used to be where he wasn't yeah. at the top, but he was always the best. And Aaron uh, Rodgers overtook him for the that days. spot. Yeah, I mean, those I think you, you can days. throw Dan Marino in that too, right? A guy who was yeah. Yeah. traditionally thought of and as Peyton. like – yeah, Peyton was, but Peyton won enough championships and played enough Super Bowls that like it kind of offset it. Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl, and yet he was just unbelievable. That, like everything he did, John Elway's kind of that. But again, John Elway won two Super Bowls, but it wasn't until the last two years of his career that he did that. So that kind of like best I've ever seen, but didn't necessarily have the resume was John Elway, Dan Marino, and, and Aaron Rodgers kind of takes the cake. I got that from having to defuse LeBron versus MJ debates. Because oh, to God. me, no matter how many championships LeBron wins, the perfection of six and for six with six finals MVPs, it's a legacy that just can't. And on top of the Jordan brand, everything else is something you just can't debate. But what LeBron James does on a basketball court is not what Michael Jordan did. And to do everything that LeBron does on a basketball court, he is the best that I've ever seen do it when you consider everything that he can do in the playing the game of basketball. And, yeah. and meanwhile, that Jordan legacy just will never be tarnished. And uh, I'm in the middle of rewatching the last dance right now. So, oh, God, so, <laughs> so good. good. By the way, have you guys seen the Tiger documentary on HBO? Tiger King? No, Tiger Woods <laughs> documentary on HBO. No. No, I That's your not, homework no. for next week. And we'll, we'll talk about it on the All pod because right. it was Sounds it was good. excellent. Well, to um, get back to this real quick, I, I yeah. do want to touch on this this game because um, like I always like to look at again, are the scoring offenses and defenses and Packers are number one in scoring offense. Bucks are number three. So, um, you know, expect points in this one. Um, 
on the defensive side, Tampa's top 10 Packers are closer to 15. Um, I guess that that's also a really interesting take on, on the last four teams in general is that when you look at the top defenses, um, yeah, who's the best defense left? It's Tampa by a, by a lot. Really? Yeah. Because wow. you have them in the top 10 Packers are, are next. And then you have the bills and um, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm the way Buffalo on the played team. on Sunday or on Saturday makes me think that Buffalo has the capability because Buffalo has something that Tampa Bay doesn't, which is and, an, an elite shutdown corner in Tredavious White. Yeah, I mean, Kansas City, I'm sorry, comes in just outside the top 10. So they're actually above the Packers. But either way, that I think when you look at this, Tampa having the best defense, and I think proving it this past week in a pretty big way, like not just having a good defense like the Steelers had and then they get cold. This team's also getting better and better. Like you're saying, Buffalo's doing the same thing. So looking ahead, I'm really interested to see how they can actually even try and defend that multi-facet, that Swiss army knife of weapons that the Packers have and can dice you and cut you anyway, using the same players in different ways. Um, that Those kind of play calls and play designs that we're going to see, I think will be a big difference for the Packers. And uh, it's going to be a fucking great game to watch, but I can't bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. It always uh, why just comes would down you to that? Why would you? Um, <clears throat> I think on the front end, I should say my wife and I have a bet, right? We created the playoff bracket. Uh, we both have Green Bay and Kansas City in the Super Bowl. At present, we're tied. I did points for each round, right? You know, like we do in the NC2A bracket, one, two, four, eight uh, for, for the NFL bracket here uh, for each round. And we're currently tied. She had a big win uh, with with Cleveland uh, winning in our bracket in the uh, in the uh, wild card weekend, which kept her which kept her tied with me. Our Super Bowl is the same. My wife's song, who will probably not listen to this. Our Super Bowl is the same. Uh, we both have Green Bay and Kansas City. She has Kansas City winning. I have Green Bay. So. I'm going to go with green Bay in this one, just so that I win the bet with my wife. <laughs> uh, but uh, from a, a football perspective, I will, I will say, and I don't want to jinx can or uh, green Bay because uh, I really don't want to have to, to come up with a whole date night. Uh, but uh, I think really that they have for as many weapons as, as new Orleans look like they had during the year um, at times, you know, Camaro was, um, always solid michael thomas is always a threat uh but when you shut down a guy like michael thomas with zero catches and hold um and hold camara to 21 touches you're doing something right on defense uh for tampa bay i think it's a little more overwhelming for uh for tampa bay to be containing the green bay offense not only because of Devontae adams who's a better receiver than any, any receiver that is on uh, uh, New Orleans, uh, Kamara included. Um, but the run, what the run game showed uh, for me, uh, what Green Bay's run game showed for me against, uh, against LA last week, I, they're going to be tough to stop. And Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Like, like I said, he's, he's doing his thing. Um, he has that look. And I think – it's it's a little tough for me to lean Tampa Bay, even though uh, Tom is is playoff Tom. Uh, yeah. So, 
Well, and that's the thing, like Vito, like you, you said, like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Well, that also means that you'd be betting for Tom Brady means you're betting against Aaron Rodgers. I'd rather bet against Aaron Rodgers than bet against Tom Brady. And I, I in the inverse, it's fair, man. I think I would... year old Tom Brady is still not Tom Brady of 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think five years ago is probably like even a big difference. But I also think that with the weapons they have with that defense, he's enough. Like we've seen, he hasn't turned the ball over. Now, Rodgers doesn't really either. But um, look at who wins this turnover margin. But if I had to close my eyes and pick one, that's what I'm doing. I'm betting the over. I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I don't even know what the line is, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, the line right now is minus three for Green Bay, which is basically saying – a pick them because you get the, yeah. the the three points for being at home. But traditionally, at least this year, it's a little bit different, right? Because of COVID and the impact of the home field doesn't quite feel the same. You know, one of the things here, though, guys, is I, I do think that these teams are pretty similar in, in terms of their overall output, especially they've been playing a lot more similarly uh, come playoffs, even though it's a smaller sample size here. But when you look at how these teams are developed, you have defenses who have played really well in some weeks and have been disappointing in others. Uh, I think defensive line, you favor Tampa Bay here. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and Ndamukong Sue, despite, you know, Ndamukong Sue having been around for, God, it feels like almost a decade by now. I mean, he's he's been in the league a long time. Uh, But he's still, you know, we saw him play a major part in that that win against New Orleans this past week and, and disrupting the interior part. Uh, I think they're not going to be able to get the same amount of pressure against this Green Bay Packers offensive line. Now, David Bakhtiari is a is a major, major uh, point here. He's currently not on the injury list, um, which is a great sign if you're a Green Bay Packers fan. But Jeff Martz. Jeff Martz. Shout out to Jeff Martz. Um, but right now we're looking at 32 degrees and snow in Lambeau. And oh, I think God. One, of the un- one of the underrated parts here and what's going to be the difference is who plays better in cold weather and, and Tom Brady may have all the experience in the world, but you're taking guys. I mean, shout out pride of James Madison university, Aaron Stinney hopping in at left guard and playing a hell of a, a right guard playing a hell of a game for the Buccaneers this past weekend. Uh, but he's also like their third string right guard. And I think when we look at these teams matchup, they both have a lot of weapons on offense, but where are those weapons allocated right Agreed. now? I see a team in green Bay that can run the ball much more efficiently on a regular basis than Tampa Bay. And Leonard Fournette looked pretty good. He only had 64 rushing yards, though. Uh, And I was amazed at how well they used him in the pass game. He's kind of an underrated receiving back, Leonard Fournette is. Um, But when I look at these two teams, I see Aaron Jones as a massive X factor in this game, on top of the fact that there is nobody in that Tampa Bay secondary that can handle Devontae Adams the way that Jalen Ramsey did this past week against the Rams. So they're going to slant the field. They're going to have, they they have to, they have no other choice because they're not going to be able to slow down. Antoine Winfield Jr. is an absolute stud and was one of my favorite draft picks uh, coming out of uh, uh, Minnesota last year in the PJ Fleck or the boat. Uh, But I, I look at this team in green Bay and I see a squad that has so much depth. Like I ran through earlier when we were breaking down that team I don't think they're going to be able to plug all the holes in the dam. I think it's going to be, Hey, we can maybe plug this one. And then next thing you know, there's one that sprouts out over there and, and, and that's an Aaron Jones, 25 yard run. Oh, and here's Robert Tanyan going over the middle. Devin white has to play out of his mind. 
and they have to be able to stop the run and make them one-dimensional. But if you make them one-dimensional throwing the football, that can be just as dangerous because you're playing yeah. against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, agreed. And that that's what I was trying to allude to is if they uh, can get that run game going, even if it's throwing out of the backfield, <clears throat> Rodgers has ways to beat you. Yeah. And so does Tom Brady. But I think Brady – for for as good as he was in in both that game and in his career in the playoffs i don't know to me it seems a little like he was a little too dependent on gronk and mike evans like trying to force it at sometimes especially in the red zone he, there was i there was one play i recall he had four net wide open in the flat it was a walking touchdown and and he threw a ball out to gronk who was covered by Malcolm Jenkins. He's one of the best man cover safeties in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and, and it was a, it was a forced play. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're going to go through the playoffs, depending on, on those veteran guys like Gronk, especially because Gronk is who he's been with for how, however many years uh, in new England that got him a bunch of these rings or helped get him a bunch of these rings. And then Mike Evans, another veteran. Yeah. If you're going to depend on those guys, it's going to be a long night. I think um, if you're not making the, the, the right reads because Aaron Rodgers is going to make those reads. On yeah. the well, and I think the argument though, is, is that Tom Brady has been making those reads. He hasn't turned the ball over all postseason. Like he yeah. is, you can say he's forcing it. He might've missed an open opportunity, but he's not forcing the ball where it shouldn't be thrown. So at least you can say that. I, I think when it comes down to it, you know, I, I, I really do believe that this offensive line will contain the Packers defensive line a little more. I also think that in the past game, I don't, I think running wise Tampa, they're going to have to find some chunk plays. I don't know if they'll have a single run over 20 yards yeah. against this Packers defense, but I think I they'll need that, but I hopefully I... they can move the ball down the field. I, I, they might need it, but I, I guess my belief in how this will go and how Tampa's defense will play will show that this is a top team in terms of offense, defense, special teams, the whole deal and they'll, they'll move on. Um, yeah. So who, who you guys got in this one? Scotty, you got, I got Green, Green Bay. Bay. Yeah, I got Green Bay. Vita? I got Tampa. What about Tampa. you? I'm going Green Bay. They've been my uh, Super Bowl pick now for since about like week eight, I think it was, that I was kind of really in on the, on the Green Bay Packers. And I expect to see uh, the Lombardi Trophy come home to, to its namesake here. A decade and, later. And, a decade later, I, I just think Aaron Rodgers is playing on a, on, a, on a level that I didn't know I would see Aaron Rodgers play at again. You know, and, and what's crazy is he's still doing things that make me drop my jaw, but it's not the same Aaron Rodgers who goes on that scramble against the Cowboys and, you know, in the playoffs a couple of years ago and throws that absolute dime 50 yards down the field to the tight end, dragging his feet, barely. In bat- like, we're not seeing that version of Aaron Rodgers, but we're seeing one that is in a lot of ways more impressive given the command and everything he's done. And, and as much as I don't want to bet against Tom Brady, based off of what I've seen in 2020, I think Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback. We're talking about the guy who's pretty much going to end up walking away with the MVP here more or less universally. So uh, I like Green Bay, and I like Green Bay to cover the three points. Uh, I think I think Green Bay is, is a really, really good team. And uh, if you can find a way to put them in a teaser, I, I you know, getting that that seven points down, I mean, I like I like Green Bay a lot in this game. Uh, the other matchup we have here in the AFC side of the bracket, uh, which I'm equally as excited for, I'd say I, I'm really pumped for both of these co- uh, these uh, conference championship games, 
is Buffalo going to Kansas City, taking on the, uh, the, the, the Chiefs there and a potentially injured uh, Patrick Mahomes. Right now he's listed as questionable. Clyde Edwards-Elaire, Sammy Watkins, also questionable. Um, no Zach Moss. He's done for the year in Buffalo. Stephon Diggs getting a day off, uh, listed as questionable. Gabriel Davis, same kind of deal. This game is interesting, right, because Buffalo hasn't played the way that we've expected them to and the way that we've become accustomed to them playing all year. And Josh Allen is an absolute stud when he has everything moving in him. His his red zone and third down numbers are off the charts. And that is such an important statistic to look at when you're talking about who's going to win in the playoffs and who what, what quarterbacks are going to have long-term success. Guys like Russell Wilson. Uh, had their entire career have been so efficient in the red zone and on third down. And those are the most crucial parts of the game. So I think this game really comes down to a, does Patrick Mahomes play? And if he does, and it's healthy Patrick Mahomes, which he was dealing with a foot injury and an ankle injury throughout the game already. He didn't look hundred percent before he left with the concussion. I'm leaning towards which defense do I trust more? And the back end of the Kansas city chiefs defense with Tyron Matthew, I think he's the best defensive player that's going to be on the field in this game for either team. And I think yeah, that might that was, end up being the difference. That was a fun matchup last week to watch him on Jarvis <clears throat> in coverage. Yeah. <clears throat> two, uh, two, uh, two Tigers cutting it up. Um, well, on that defensive point, Kansas City's uh, uh, during the season was 11th in points against him. Buffalo was 16. And now on the flip side, what's kind of funny – Buffalo's two, Kansas City's six in terms of the offensive points per game. Isn't it wild that of all these teams, the lowest points per game team is the Chiefs out of any team left? Yeah. That it just wild. doesn't seem right because I think yeah. you think Tampa would be under that, but not with their offense. Packers above. And then, um, you know, Buffalo being number two is just wild. It, it, it's kind of crazy because I think when you think of obviously big play offenses, the, Chief, the Chiefs offense is number one in that category, I think, in our minds. Yeah. But um, when you break down this game on the flip side, that defensive side, uh, like you said, the Chiefs are better. Um, and, but the Bills, for some reason, have been winning these close games and making them close. And given the other, their their opponents have been turning the ball over. Not, you know, they've had issues. Obviously, uh, Lamar getting injured, going out the pick six, different things like that. But I think because of their defense stepping up and getting a couple team wins, really getting the ball rolling, I think the momentum that the bills have as an organization and as Buffalo, as a city, I would love to see that continue. I think we all would. They're obviously going up against a very fucking tough opposition in the chiefs, but I think that they have at least the mindset right now that they think they can win, which is in sports a lot. Uh, The mentality going into a game is a ton. I think Josh Allen's young enough and, and idiotically naive in a good way enough to think like, we're just going to go in there and win. And I really believe that they're going to come out here and win. And um, especially going deep against the, the Kansas city defense, you know, that secondary has bled up a couple of big plays, a lot of big plays, especially in the middle part of the season and look for, look for um, the bills to kind of drop some schemes or some ways to really isolate and pick on safeties in terms of route combinations. But then uh, obviously pass protection needs to hold up all, all those things. But if that can work, um, I, I think they're going to burn them a little bit. I think they'll, they'll gonna say if, score with them and take over. If they play man too deep like they've been most of the year, 
they're in trouble because not only will Stefan Diggs burn them downfield, but they're going to end up with some of those wide open mid range throws to Gabriel Davis on the sideline. Like we've seen all this dude long. loves toe dragging. Um, it's incredible. It's, yeah. It oh, is. He's fun to watch too. Everybody like is Josh Allen throwing that away. And then all of a sudden two hands and two feet come out of nowhere. And the guy just touches him down. You're like, what the fuck? This guy's incredible. There's, and it's number 13 every time. The, the biggest thing for me in wanting, because again, I, I'm going to be pulling for Buffalo in this game, but it's what Kansas City is going to force Buffalo to do, right? And I don't think, and look, there's a lot of good offensive weapons. Cole Beasley um, is obviously the most underrated part of that offense, but is a huge reason why it works the way that it does. I think they're going to struggle to run the football. Um, and I think Kansas City is going to play and, and structure their defense in a way that says we're not going to let Josh Allen beat us um, through the air, unless it's by, you know, unscheduled broken plays where guys, you know, he and Stefan Diggs have this great chemistry and they're going to force them to beat the chiefs by running the football with Devin Singletary. Jeff, we all said that against in the, in last week's game, we all said that that was the key to beating the Ravens was like, if they're going to make you throw the football, or uh, run the football because they're going to protect the throw. They're not going to let Josh Allen beat him, and Josh Allen beat him. Yeah, but they they did something that was borderline unprecedented in opening up a, a playoff game by throwing the ball 18 times. You know, like they went so hard onto that turn, and I think in a lot of ways you're showing your hand about what you think of Devin Singletary. And we're also talking about, yeah, Marlon Humphreys is a great corner, and Jimmy Smith, and they have a decent secondary, an above-average secondary in, in Baltimore. Um, but they don't have what, in a lot of ways, can be game-changing players like Tyron Matthew. Like, Tyron Matthew just has a nose for the ball. He finds – he had a pick against uh, Cleveland. You know, like, he's a guy who finds ways to make plays and get involved, and there is nobody like that on Baltimore. Um, you know, again, Marlon Humphrey's got his the peanut punch, the Charles Tillman peanut punch. But that's about it. And on top of that, they've already shown they can't run the ball with Devin Singletary. And maybe they do come out and just sling it around the yard. But we're talking about a solid defense here in Kansas City, one that has playoff experience and won a Super Bowl. Uh, I think that comes into play here. Now, if Buffalo comes out and says, fuck it, we're throwing the ball 50 times and we're going we're gonna to ride and die with Josh Allen, which I totally get, uh, then I think Buffalo has a good chance of winning this football game. But ultimately, and I, again, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, I'm hammering the Buffalo Bills. But if Mahomes oh, you, is playing, you have to. but if Mahomes is playing, I'm. I, it goes back to I want to bet against Patrick Mahomes, and and, and I, I'm not sure that I do. That is ultimately where this game will hinge. How healthy is Pat Mahomes? How healthy is his foot? His ankle? And where is he coming back from this concussion after last week? And if he is 90% of what Patrick Mahomes was, dude, they were methodical. If, if Mahomes doesn't get hurt, they beat Cleveland by two touchdowns at least. That easy. offense was cooking beforehand. And it's so easy for them to kind of flip that switch, which is a rare thing to see in sports. So if Mahomes comes in banged up and he's 50%, 60% of what he was, I would lean more towards Buffalo. Because I think this game is that close. But if we get a healthy Patrick Mahomes, I don't think I can bet against them. So, uh, for me, I'm leading Kansas City right now. 
Grand, Green Bay, Kansas City, by the time the game rolls around, I might have a different opinion, and I'm sorry if that's a weak-ass take and not going to plant my flag down here. But I like, you. I like including context before I make decisions, guys. Put two feet in a camp, I know will sports you, media, In sports media, they don't like to do that. They just want a hard take at that time. But that's bullshit. There is gray area, and it's okay to live there. So I'm leaning Kansas City, and ultimately it's going to come down to what we see with, with Patty Mahomes. I have one thing to respond, Jeff. This Ravens defense is way better than the Chiefs defense, and I think there are players on it that are even better than Tyron Matthew. I get what he does in the playoffs, but when you talk about Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, even Patrick, Patrick Queen, Queen coming on, McPhee, yeah. Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf. those are the kind of guys. I think this defense is scattered with elite guys. I think Marlon Humphrey can be a lot. I know, I know he didn't uh, you know, have a lockdown game, but I, I think – when you look at that game and what they were able to hold that offense to do, I mean, remember one of those touchdowns was given up on defense. They only let up 10 points, the Ravens D. So uh, I think that but the Ravens defense, I'm not built- willing to put the chiefs even in the same tier as the, as the Ravens. And that's, D. that's fair as a total defense. You're right. But you also then, all right, let's, let's remove the bulk numbers and look at it specifically and what it is that Baltimore's defense does, which is, we trust our corners to play man to man on the outside and we're going to stop the run and load up the box and create pressure with our defensive line and, and have an all-star future pro bowler and Patrick queen clean up the mess at the linebacker position with LJ Ford as well from the linebacker position. Yeah. They run the three, four. So they're both mm-hmm. on the inside. What's going to happen here with this Kansas city defense is they're not going to trust anyone to play man to man defense against Stephon Diggs. Because that is what Baltimore tried to do. And that is why Stephon Diggs got the better of Marlon Humphrey throughout that entire game. And Kansas City knows they can't do that. Kansas City knows that they're going to have to shade the field. And it's not going to be easy. And I'm not saying that Kansas City's defense is going to shut them out. You're right. Baltimore's defense is much better. But specific matchup-based, I think they're going to be able to do more to remove Stephon Diggs from the equation. And they're going to force – you know, Buffalo to do something other than pass. And if they end up still just deciding to throw the ball anyway, then the recklessness of Josh Allen then comes into play. Well, that'll be interesting to watch for is what happens. Like you're saying, if they double cover him and Cole Beasley, for some reason, Cole Beasley low key had zero catches last game, which is Mm -hmm. interesting, but if they can't get him involved and they're getting frustrated going to Stefan, this game could, uh, (laughs) this could fall apart very quickly because they're going to need to score to keep up. Yeah. You're thinking Absolutely. about this defense thing way too much. All right, let's look at this, the defense from a fantasy perspective. Omar <laughs> had Baltimore's defense and finished second. Scott had Kansas City's defense and finished dead-ass last. So guess what? I'm riding Vito's theory that the Kansas City defense is not enough to hold up for, for some of this Buffalo offense. So are you taking Buffalo then, Scotty? Come back to me. All right, Vito. I feel like you're all in on Buffalo. <laughs> I'm all in on Buffalo. Circle the damn wagons and take him to the fucking Tampa. This is going to be uh, a Bills playoff run to remember. And uh, I'll go ahead and say they're not even going to end it there. They're going to go ahead and actually win the Super Bowl. Wow. Well, we have That's a few cool. weeks that we can see what happens, but yes. and maybe also, you can pull that that take back. But they're also like also, third Super Bowl teams this year because the Ravens already lost. So I, you know, I, I shouldn't even be taking it seriously anyway. Scott, no, well, but but you said last week the winner of that game, that Baltimore Buffalo game, wins the Super Bowl. So you're being consistent. I appreciate yes. that, Scotty. And 
And also, Vito, you have Tom Brady in the first as the first player to play a Super Bowl as the home team in his own stadium. I do. So, okay. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Interesting. Here too. I yeah. also have um, him losing, so no team will ever win a Super Bowl at home. There you go. How about that? Um, my wife and had this. Uh, she woke up from a nap while we were watching the the games, right? And uh, I think it was on Saturday. And she wakes up and goes, I had this dream that the Super Bowl was Buffalo and Green Bay. And her gut is rarely wrong, if not uh, perfect. So you're going uh, so with the Buffalo Bills? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Buffalo. Circling because the it, wagons. It benefits me in our in my bet with my wife, and also I I don't distrust her her <laughs> gut. Uh, she has a great gut. Uh, well, big gut fan. Big, uh, big and sniff, big sniff test guy. Big, oh, big sniff test guy. Uh, but, uh, and and yeah, I'm going Buffalo. Let's right. go, Josh. Sc- Scotty and Vito are circling the wagons. I'll be pulling for Buffalo. I'd be happy to be wrong here, but uh, guys, chalk holds in the NFL playoffs. And I think my biggest fear about this new playoff format is that the one seeds get an exceptional advantage and not having being the only teams in the playoff not having to play. Uh, in that first round. So I like Kansas city. Again, if we find out more about Pat Mahomes, I might feel differently, but right now I'm marking it down. I think Kansas city has just too much. And as much as I I'm pulling for Buffalo and the storyline and everything else, uh, I'm taking the chiefs. Plus I said at the beginning of the playoffs, I liked green Bay and Kansas city. So talk about consistency here. I've, I've been on these two getting to the playoffs here um, for a whole time. Now what's interesting is there is not a single bad Super Bowl matchup here. Uh, if you're the NFL, you're happy with any single matchup that you get of these four teams. And I think that is, that is really, really exciting. And I would also add here too, one last thing on the Tampa Bay green Bay game. Remember these two teams played earlier in the year and uh, Tampa Bay put a a whooping on them. Uh, It was revenge game by far Aaron Rodgers' worst game of the year. Uh, I think like a third of his total interceptions in the entire season came in that game. So I think this is, again, Scorched Earth Tour. Talk about the Super Bowl video when your team wins and you talk about it. The this video will start at that game against Tampa Bay when you know Aaron Rodgers throws the pick six and throws the other interception. They get their ass beat. And then they come back. They get their revenge here. Rematch of Super Bowl one, uh, And we're going to have the same outcome, which is the Green Bay Packers winning Super Bowl. Was it 56 now? Is that what we're on? Uh, the Eagles yeah. are 52. Yeah, I think yeah. we're on I yeah, think we're on 50, Super yeah. Bowl 56. So 55 years I, whatever later, that means. <laughs> 55 years later, uh we will see the Green Bay Packers hoist the Lombardi trophy again. But we will come back next week uh as we get ready for the Super Bowl once we see what these matchups look like. Uh we're going to have a ton of action coming from you all from the read option here. So we are super super excited to uh to get this thing out here. Uh, I'm pumped to be doing it with you two guys. Uh, You'll hear some from me. Uh, We're going to hit a bunch of different stuff between gambling NBA as we're going to make the transition uh, in this sports calendar year. We'll get a little hockey in there. Uh, We're going to try to get some guests along the way too, and and, and see what we can hit. We'll have all the off season stuff coming down the line, but for now we got three football games left boys. So let's cherish it. So for uh, my man, Brian Sanvito, Scotty Miller, uh, everyone out there, uh, rate, subscribe, do all that shit. 
uh, that they tell you to do on podcasts and then uh, unsubscribe, we'll, then re-rate, unsubscribe, then re-review. Resubscribe, uh, and we'll be back here next week. You'll hear from me in a couple of days and we'll get a little bit more action to you here from the read option. Take it easy, everybody.